Ladies and gents, uh, welcome back to uh, the Engineers Podcast. Uh, today, I'm super excited to be joined by uh, João Fernandez, who's at Hopin, who uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners would have seen uh, Hopin's journey over the last 18 months. So, João, lovely, lovely to have you on board. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Thank you, Elliot. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for, for the invitation. It's, uh, it's a true pleasure to be here. Pleasure. We're, we're not going to talk too much football today. No, um, <laughs> we, we won't go offline again and start talking about that. So let's dive into a, a little bit about you and your background, and then we'll get into the meat of who Hopin are. So do you want to just give us a quick intro on you your background as an engineering leader helps set the scene sure. for us. Sure. Yeah. Like not trying to kill people with boredom about like uh, my own life, <laughs> but so, so I'm a, I studied computer science by, by trade. I studied here in Lisbon. So where I live in Portugal, um, I specialized in distributed systems. I started my career abroad in Czech Republic where I lived more or less two years. Uh, I was working for a, fairly known company in the US called Honeywell. It's quite a large company. It's one of General Electric's uh, biggest competitors. It's not super well known right. here in Europe, but I worked in avionics two years, quite a large company, completely different from what I ended up doing for most of my professional life. So two years later, came back to Lisbon for professional reasons. And since then I've been connected in way or, one way or another to the startup slash scale up world. Cool. So actually my first startup was in 2014. So I joined, the company was already two years old. It's called TalkDesk. Yeah. Um, I joined when we were like, I was the fourth engineer, like joining the team were eight people, more or less give or take at the day I joined. Uh, and two years, two years later, we were like 250 or something like that. So I also went through like that. That was my first hyper growth experience. These days they yes. have a thousand people, quite a large company. That was my first, uh, you know, like hyper growth. I learned a lot. It was a really good school. Uh, it was a super intense uh, experience, and I think that it, in many ways it, it shaped the like like the, the engineer that I came to be. Okay. Since then, I've been in multiple other, you know, like startups, scale ups. Uh, some founded by Portuguese people, some not American, British, and yeah. uh, indeed, right now I'm a I'm an engineering manager at Hopin. Okay. So I joined Hopin. Uh, last year in April, so April 2020, yeah, we were about 30 people when I joined. Uh, uh, I I was like engineer number 14, so I I have employee ID number four at the company, but it's fake, so I I can tell it like this openly. <laughs> I'm actually not employee number four, but somehow oh. I got it. I don't know. Uh, the HR redid the system and I got ID 14 four. at Hopin, four at Talkdesk. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, more or less like that. Yeah. So yeah, it was a very different company from, from what it is today. So it did like hop in, uh, like one, definitely one of the hottest startups of 2020 and 2021. Uh, so it's, awesome. uh, yeah, as I joined is a, it was a virtual events platform as of today, it is an events platform. So it is okay. more than just a virtual events platform. Um, so we, today we target like more than just virtual events. And yeah, so I actually joined as a individual contributor. 
when I joined, there was no engineering managers. So there was no management team in the engineering yep. side of things. So, and that was the ultra compelling part of like the hopping experience to me, because yep. I had the opportunity to do like a lot of stuff from scratch of like building the airplane, let's put it like this, uh, so okay. build the rocket ship. So yeah, as of today, I run a, a team that always varying in size because we are always hiring. But as of today, I think it's 11 engineers and um, nice. yeah, I yeah, deal with the things like authentication, authorization, data compliance. Sure. Uh, so those are the bits and bobs that I, that I work on on my day to day. A couple of things that I'm interested in there. We're going to get to hop in sure. in the next couple of moments. Um, you mentioned in there about talk desk and you've obviously been on this journey before. It shaped you to be the engineer that you are today, as in seeing that growth period. What what what's the thinking behind that? And obviously, probably Hopin shaped you even further. But help us understand that. Yeah. So TalkDesk was a very intense experience because so there's significant differences from if of the experience that I lived at TalkDesk from Hop. So one thing it was like. We're pretty much all the same age at the time, okay. give or take. So it was a very young crowd. So this was in 2014. So I was like, what, 27 back then or something like that. So a little bit okay. younger than today. Still young, but uh, yeah, it was you are. It was like in my 20s, you know, it was, it was a little bit different. And everyone around were more or less the same age. Okay. Um, and um, we're all in the same room. And whether you want it or not actually makes a little bit of a difference in the way you live this startup experience. I mean, remote yep. has a lot of advantages and we can go into that. And I'm a real believer in uh, remote work, uh, but uh, it's just like there's trade-offs there. I know. And uh, the experience was, it was super interesting because when I joined TalkDesk was, um, again, the company had already, was already two years old. We yeah. have this tendency of uh, kind of almost making this success stories, like overnight success, you know, like started a, a startup and one day suddenly like three days later or something like that like boom yes. like uh yeah. damn like a hundred uh million in funding and uh i don't know how much in arr and such a success story but it's not like that ultimately yeah. like you know they joined the company was already two years so there was already a lot of established uh, work work that was done before i joined and that was very different from the hopping experience. So TalkDesk kind of introduced me to a lot of concepts on you know, like caring about the customers, like deeply caring okay. about the customers. I was, when I joined TalkDesk, I was doing everything. I was doing support. Yeah. I was participating in sales calls. I would like, I, I, I would help like, I helped break the walls on the office, in the office, you know, like I'm, okay. I'm serious. Like we helped break up walls in the office to expand it. So you get my point, like it was, uh, it kind of like made me very aware of if you have to focus on what brings value to the company at this point okay. and not be just like in the kind of like in the realm of like uh, technical details yeah, and I love coding. You just code, yeah. Yeah, exactly. For what it is, it really gives okay. you perspective on all the other things that uh, are part of the day-to-day -day of, of a company and that create are the activities that create value besides that, just coding. Yeah, that probably helps you develop some empathy, I'm guessing, for well, the, the customer part with the support and sales and 
um, what actually helps generate revenue for a company. So coming into Hopin, you talk about that boom moment and rounds and rounds of funding. Don't quote me on this at all, but I swear there was there was two or three in quick succession during the pandemic. And I was just like, I genuinely thought I was reading an article from I think, two months before. I was, like, I was like, wait, what, another one? Yeah. So uh, talk talk to us about that experience and talk to us a little bit about so you were a virtual events company, now you're an events company. So what what's that shift there? Well so the world is changing dramatically, right? I mean all just imagine 2019 or early 2020, you know, <laughs> compared to, yeah. to these days. It feels like the old, like, planet Earth, you know, like old society or something like that. Yes. There are things that, uh, you know, like, we probably wouldn't imagine that we're living as of today. It's just barely more than one year ago. Like, look, face-to-face, -face, like, physical, real-world events are coming back. That's great. Yeah. Honestly, I love being next to people, just grabbing a drink, uh, chatting to people, getting to know people like face to face is a is is an experience that it doesn't have a a, re a true replacement. Like uh, you know, like I would say that virtual events have things that are like I would say that there's things that are more that are better than face to face events, but there are things that are worse again. And yeah. the world is changing, and people like people do want also that. Uh, face-to-face -face interaction, meeting people, networking and everything. So, and we, honestly, I think that Johnny, our CEO, like he knew this from day one, you know, like he knew this, like physical events will come back. That doesn't mean that virtual events will go away. Mm. This is my genuine opinion. I think that people realize the potential, you know, be, behind the virtual events. It was a little bit of a neglected area for quite some time. And people these days are like, no, like it really brings value. Like, I mean, Let's just think about the super simple, like super straightforward use case. That is, I put up a conference and why should I just like restrain like restrain myself to, you know, constrain myself to to the people who live in this area, you know, like uh, or when I can I know people can fly, but it's like it's expensive, not everyone will do it. When I can just pretty much, you know, like pay for a production and broadcast this on the web and sell tickets pretty much worldwide, you know, get yeah. to people in any country in the world yeah. have a much broader reach. So I think that is staying, you know, and uh, I think that Johnny saw that from, from the beginning. So we are indeed targeting today, not only face-to-face -face events, we recently acquired a company that dedicates itself to, has been dedicating itself to that, uh, yeah. called the Boomset. And uh, we are also entering in the, what people are calling hybrid events, right? Which is like, um, doing a fusion between the experience of these two things. And we recently hosted Hopin's first uh, hybrid event, Illuminate, just uh, what, a week ago or two weeks ago, something like that, yeah. uh, recently. And it was a major success. So it was a really good experience. I was online, like I was not there, I was in LA, and I, I didn't get to fly. It's a little bit tricky to get to the US these days, but it, it, was, it was incredible to see. And what was awesome is you—you you guys got the call up for TechCrunch, TechCrunch yeah. Disrupt, yeah. Uh, last year I think it was last September. That must have been yeah. an awesome feeling. Uh, again, another 
breakthrough moment. 2020 was the breakthrough moment, seemingly, uh, yeah. understandably, for you guys. That crunch was a big thing, definitely. You know, being able to, you know, like my parents are not very tech savvy or even my some yeah. people, you know, like around in my life, and the ability to go to them and say, oh, it's the event you saw on Silicon Valley, like the TV series or something like that. We are hosting it this year. Now, just doing that reference is very, a lot of people know wow. the, the TV series. And it's like, oh, that's really, you're hosting that. That's it's a powerful thing. So, yeah, we're really happy, really glad that, uh, you know, TechCrunch uh, you know, partnered with us. And uh, I attended the event. It was a really cool experience. It was a completely virtual event uh, last year. Yeah, it was, it was a really happy moment for the entire team to, to get the, the confirmation that we're going to be hosting TechCrunch. It's a big thing. Nice. Uh, help, help us understand, and th this will probably fall into, I guess, a little bit more about your team. Um, I, I know this anyway. I know some video companies. I know that the challenges around CDNs, uh, other things associated with live video, help us understand some of the technical challenges that Hopin have seen um, over the last. 12 months you know with with that scale just just dive into that a little bit more and help us understand a little bit what you guys at hopin saw built and dealt with sure so i would say that this almost uh, links a bit is to the question you made uh, before about like for instance learnings that i had also at talk test and yeah. hopin confirmed that in some sense like in other companies i work for but so one piece of advice i can tell to everyone starting is like don't reinvent the wheel like stand on the shoulders of giants right hopping didn't start with its own like video stack with its own like lots of stuff was was software as a service right we were paying okay. for services from other companies and i think that in 2020 like that's if you're not doing that like you were not having for success in the beginning you know like i think that there's a time and a place to like review the that like that decision, the you know like the vendors that the partners that you use, but like please start with software as a service, uh, like buy solutions, focus on the core of your business, you know like on the on what like on this on your differentiator, like don't jump right away into thinking oh you know like what I can build like the best, uh, most scalable video uh, tech stack, you know, that ever exists. Like it makes no sense. Build a business and like, uh, you're going to probably get lots of problems. And if you get lots of problems, it's because you get customers. If you get customers, you get money. So you get money to solve those problems. So it's kind of like how the loop should go and not in a different direction. It shouldn't go from, you know, from the problems to the customers, you go vice versa. So that's like, yes, video broadcasting is a, is a one aspect that scaling it is, is not easy. We, uh, of course, that we started again with the SaaS. We, we are now, we now play have an like, in-house solution for video broadcasting. It requires, as you can imagine, like it, it requires specific skills, specific knowledge, right? It's, there are areas of, of working in computer, like in software development that everyone, I, I, I truly believe that anyone can pick up on anything pretty much, yeah. right? Or it's just like, if 
like if you find people who, who are familiar with with a specific area that you need skills on like it's just an advantage of course like yeah. video is its own niche uh and we have rtc and quite uh, essentially so yeah. so yeah like we that was one of the challenges like the scaling our tech stack uh, uh making it robust essentially as well you have to realize one important thing about uh, hopping um did you say and there's extra robust yeah, yeah, just being, yeah. yeah. okay yeah Real, cool. robust yeah you have to yeah. realize one thing about depending on your business you will very like very rapidly realize if your your business is kind of let's call it mission critical or yeah what do i mean by this it's like if video goes down and hopping, that's pretty much the equivalent of like, you know, you are in a concert venue and some, and suddenly the speakers like, like go off or the lights yeah. go off. It's, it's that bad. It's just like, suddenly you have like thousands of people in front of you and it's, it's terrible. Let's put it like this. So it's mission critical. So these things yeah. can't fail. There are, there are businesses that operate in different ways, you know, like, I don't know, I'm going to throw things out of my, my head, you know, like if I submit an expense on Expensify or something like that, if it takes 10 seconds or 20 seconds to kind of get my uh, information from, you know, from the receipt, it doesn't make a huge difference. Right? I want yeah. it to be fast, but it doesn't make a huge difference if it takes 10 or 20 seconds. So yeah. building that... Uh, like the knowledge and the skill to build like something scalable and uh, robust inside the company was one of one of the major challenges, and um, not only on video but other areas as well. What what was tough about it? P particularly, what was tough about it from a manager's I, I perspective? The concept itself, yeah. but I think yeah. the the associated challenges that surround sure. it as well. Yeah, sure. From a manager's perspective, hiring is hard. Let me just tell you, right? Yeah. It's, uh, that's from a manager's perspective. That was building a team with the right skills to take on yeah. this and take on this fast was yeah. hard. But then we had, uh, you know, like just an video broadcasting is, is, is hard. It takes a lot of bandwidth, takes a lot of CPU resources. It's, it's its own niche. At the same time, we acquired other companies, there were companies joining the, the hopping family that also yeah. like have needs around, you know, data streaming, such as StreamYard, such as Jam, our uh, meetings platform. So they also had, and they also had work. So consolidating what each of us already had into something that was better than what each of us had was, yeah. was, was a good step, was a step in the right direction, but it didn't come for for free uh it's usually software development that is done in uh like like lower level uh programming languages like system programming languages like either c c plus plus rust yeah. zig things like that i mean in our case we do it's, it's mostly c plus plus um so yeah it's it's hard to find those skills in the market and uh they are valuable and they are hot as you can imagine and uh yeah and it's it's really business critical, essentially, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'd say. <laughs> what What were some of the trade offs that you had to make? Because mm. there seem seemingly there's acquisitions, integrations, there's hiring. How do you actually prioritize some of those trade offs being mission critical? To use your analogy, that the planes 
moving, so to speak, how do you actually, I guess, keep it in flight, but I guess stay performant? Yeah. It's a, well, like, it's a... Sorry, I've probably hit you with a a big old (laughs) question there. No, 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 it's it's, a... It does require a, a lot of like synergy inside the company, definitely. But yeah. uh, it's it really requires you focusing on integrating things at the right pace. So, for example, like we didn't like this was not the first day that after, the day after like StreamYard joined us that uh, we were like let's integrate uh, like all our infrastructure. You know, like it was yeah. not like. That. Uh, if we talk a little bit uh, more techy, you know, like uh, for example, I would say that this is analogous to something that people concepts that people use in programming. So people say like, "Oh, keep your code dry, right? Don't repeat yourself." When like you do, like you move to like a services-oriented architecture, namely to microservices. Actually, most there are many scenarios where code repetition is actually better than essentially linking everyone to like dependencies like to, to depend on the same thing on the same code so actually there are many scenarios where repetition and duplication is better than like uh, trying than the effort of trying to put to make everyone being completely aligned and uh, you know like working on the same thing and i think that that's a lesson you, you quickly learn from from very large companies i'm pretty sure that if you go to like google microsoft apple facebook they they have multiple teams working on the exact same problems and because the cost of like aligning all those teams is larger than the one that uh, it, it gets from just like duplicating the efforts and the innovation that they get from that so i'd say that that was partially what we are doing here like we we also have aspects of our infrastructure that we continue to develop like independently so we didn't merge everyone and everything every aspect every technical aspect and organizational aspect of of these companies into just one no it's it's just like we maintain something separate and i think that that's how it's going to be for in the long term for many aspects okay uh, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but you answered my why. I was going to dive in and say why. Um, yeah. But thank you. You probably sussed that out in my eyebrows. <laughs> um, you, you talk about synergy. You talk about communication flow. Hopin have, um, a, I guess, a, a reputation. They've built pretty much a remote first company. And yeah. th- that, that's quite iconic. Okay, um, to do that at such pace and at yeah. such scale, you know, I've I've heard stories. I won't go into figures of just how many engineers you are hiring monthly. So, how do you ensure that you are you are scalable, as in people scalable, not tech scalable? Because onboarding, people understanding the culture and keeping those communication flows, that that probably could be tougher than the technology part because you're all smart people, right? It's as tough. And just a small correction, we are ultimately not remote first, we are remote okay. only, right? So we really don't even have a, 
an office. Yes. I think there was people meeting in London even before I met, but as of today, it's really, really remote, right? Everyone is, is remote, at least at Hopin. I know that some, some of the companies that we acquired do have physical offices. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, it's as challenge as challenge, uh, scaling the, the organization is as challenging as the actual tech challenges that you face. So I would say that that was actually the part that I it was more exposed ultimately, right? As a engineering manager uh, and someone who's been here pretty much from the, the start of, of the management side of, of the company. Um, there's so much to unpack here. Let me even think where to start on because <laughs> it's, so let's just be honest. Like, I mean, there's, it's, um, I'm going to use a term here that is, is kind of confusing, but it's almost like a controlled chaos. <laughs> but there is, it is, it has, it has to be. It's, uh, it's not the most, you know, uh, you know, like from far, it looks a little bit like chaos. So it, and it's just normal. Like, again, you don't get to scale a company from 30 people to, I don't know, we're probably like 750 give or take as of today in a year and say, you know what? No, this was the most, uh, orderly experience and most calm yeah. and peaceful experience <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that I ever like, like lived through. No, it's, it's not the case. So here at Hopin, actually their first week, we do a thing that we call the Hopin Academy. And I don't even like bother that much the engineers, like on my team on their first week, because the Hopin Academy is to get to know the product, get to know the mm -hmm. company. So it's, it's actually run by our people's team. So they are exposed to lots of things here in the company, how marketing work, how sales work, yes. get to know, get to know the company. It's kind of, yeah. it's the Hopin uh, university of things. And then they're sec starting as their second week, as they get into a team, lots of pairing, lots of like, ask me anything, check on yeah. people like, uh, because you know, it's, yeah. it's like, you can start from, you don't start from the assumption that people will just like ping you if they if they have questions and this has nothing to do with like uh, like they're being smart people or not it has nothing to do with that we are just there's inherently people who are like more introverts and you know should i ask this i'm a little bit afraid of asking that it's just no it's human condition just take it as human condition you know like yeah. so check on them uh bring a mission to your team bring a vision to your team so explain where do you want to go and how are you doing to get there essentially which is yeah. the mission so have those things in place have a culture of transparency and communication yeah we're gonna get there uh, there's a lot and that, lots of aspects that you have to build on top of this <laughs> it's it, it is i i haven't seen that sort of growth but I, i'm just trying I'm, I'm trying to comprehend it repetition pairing i think creating a safe landing for people is is quite important so i think the the hop in university the pairing for the first two weeks uh, i was going to say you know what it's like as in coming into a company day one that there are there is so much change out of interest is everything documented as in if you need to do X, go to this person. As in just plain and simple, is there documentation for absolutely everything? Or is there some ambiguity there? I, we do our best, I would say. It's, yeah. There's a little bit of chaos, 
but I can give like one thing, I can talk about one aspect that is very engineering focused that works really well inside Hopkin. That is, I actually brought this from my, my previous company uh, and I was working for a company called Salsify and uh, they have really also really strong practices on the engineering side. It's nice. uh, a place where I learned a lot. And I brought ADRs, architectural decision records uh, with yep. me, the practice of writing those. And uh, so I brought it to Hopin and it's been a success. So we have like a, like a repository of documents explaining you know, decisions that were made and the context they were made on and I can, why they were made and like quite a bit of a summary. We have a template for these things, but essentially it's like the summary, uh, the decision, and then the consequences of this decision. And, and they are, you can go like all, decisions, technical decisions, not everyday yeah. decisions, as you can imagine, like we take a lot of decisions that are ultimately not documented as, as ADRs, but the more meaty ones, they are there. Everyone can go there and read. So it's like, why did people go with this protocol or why did we choose this database or why did we select, we're doing okay. this and it's like, oh, there's an explanation, you know, like, and that's really important capturing that. You know, and the evolution of those decisions is really, really important. It gives you a lot of perspective, a good okay. way of uh, keeping uh, what people call tribal knowledge inside the, yeah, the okay. team. Uh, have, have you instilled that in your team or you introduced that to hop in as a collective? Mm, mm. Uh, I would say almost both because when I introduced it, we were still a fairly small company, right? So I introduced this nice. in the early days. So we probably like... I don't know, 30 engineers when I introduced this back then. It was, things were easier to introduce indeed. You're, you're part uh, of the furniture then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was easier indeed. Like, uh, so that was, that was good, for example. Indeed, at, my, at the, previous, the company I worked previously for, uh, so there was no ADRs from the start. At some point, they were like invested on creating those, and it was great. Uh, but a lot of that tribal knowledge were, was in the, the minds of people, so you really had to go to people to understand yep. uh, a lot of past decisions. So yeah, yep. so that was my... There are things that are introduced in my team that then we exported to the whole engineering uh, organization. But this was, this almost started as a, it's like I started by doing them. People were like, oh, that's valuable. Let's do them. That's it. Nice. Okay. Well, we spoke about the, the collective hopping journey. You've been there early days, uh, engineered number 14. So we've probably seen the engineering challenges uh, as a, a whole from that, I guess, software as a service conversation a little bit earlier, um, building robust infrastructure and, and being, let's say, mission critical. What are some of the engineering challenges in your teams? Are they around that or, or are they slightly separate? Well, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I can talk about the, maybe the challenges on, like, I can talk about challenges in several teams, but ultimately like some of, some of them are shared and some of them are not right. So there's yep. challenges that are shared, you know, uh, and, and I know that because I talked to the other engineering managers there. My colleagues, yep. we meet regularly, and some of the pains we feel them collectively, but some things, some aspects are are kind of more specific. So, where do you want me to like dig deeper on this? Sorry, 
Um, so, so if I'm just clear on that, so I think we focused on uh, you're looking after teams around authentication, authorization, and some other areas. So, yes, completely appreciate they will or other teams being they probably have some of those challenges in their areas. What what challenges or technical challenges do you find in those areas? in and around your teams that focus on those areas? Mm, I see. Yeah. My, so my, the challenges in my team are that those aspects that, from a technical standpoint, there's things that I just told you about, like, again, authentication, authorization, data compliance, they are very, like, they are cross-cutting concerns. You know, like, it's almost every request that gets into the application is uh, passes through authentication and authorization layers. Uh, changes to our data model uh, require, you know, like being kind of safe from then like a deletion perspective as people come to hop in and they own their data and to be GDPR compliant, they ask, you know, please remove my data. So, so those things from a technical perspective, it means that you have to balance the act of being the gatekeeper and not being a bottleneck. And, yeah. uh, you know, this is a, is a, a hard equilibrium to find, uh, okay. right? So you don't want to that everyone just like comes talk to you whenever they need small changes on the parts that ultimately you are responsible for, which is okay. different from owning. Uh, like ownership and like responsibility or accountability are slightly different and are different concepts. Uh, you don't want to be a bottleneck at the same time. You want people to be able to work like uh, in a distributed fashion. So one thing yep. that I feel like it works really well is whenever you are a team working on these very kind of cross-cutting concerns, it gets the tooling right. If you enforce the things that, for instance, a code level, uh, it's just like the, the the safer the environment you create, and the, like by enforcing the rules and the guidelines that you need for people like your engineers to follow, because of, for yeah. example, security uh, reasons, the better. It's just like it's it's a way that it's you kind of multiplying yourself, like it's your team acting as someone that is like a invisibly pairing with the other engineers in the organization by you know like essentially guiding them guiding them through what they can do what they can't do how they should do things that's super powerful invest heavily in tooling uh to scale on the organization so that you can keep focused on what you're actually doing because let's not like lose sight of what we're doing here as my team for example on the authentication side what we want to do is to provide like a secure privacy con privacy conscious like a frictionless as possible authentication experience to customers that's what we do right that's that's our objective right and then how we do it is the thing like those are the details again like on how we kind of like empower other engineers inside the organization by giving them the, the proper environment for doing the right thing for building it right essentially Understood. Okay. Um, what What's one key bit of feedback or learning, if you like, even failure 
that you could give to an individual, a team or a company over the last 12, 18 months from what you've learned about hopping? Obviously, your experience before has kind of set you up for a scale-up mindset. You've been knocking down walls and such. So (laughs) help us understand the last 18 months and maybe a, a particular failure or moment hmm. that stands out that you'd probably want to give to someone? That's a hard one to come up with, not because there are no failures, but because there's many outside like almost day to day, you know, and hmm. but what are you looking for? So like more, so from my experience at Hopin as some decision that I took and then ultimately, let's say, regretted it in hindsight or? Uh, well, I, I, I quite, well, I quite like the ADR decision really yeah. early on. Um, that's seemingly mm. quite a good one if that's been rolled out across the business. But uh, I mean, in a sense where it's like one of those old oh, shit moments, don't do that again. Or, oh, wow, th- that really worked for us. That was just one of those off chance moments that you saw just create a lot of pain or remove a lot of pain. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's funny. Like our incidents channel was called oh shit until uh, recently we renamed it. <laughs> now, yeah. You see, but it was it's really like incidents. Oh shit moment. That's it. Um, I <laughs> I can tell you one thing that it's it's ultimately important. So one one important aspect that I've seen in from my experience as well is like in successful and mature engineering teams is how they release software. And there's no right way of releasing software, I'd say. It's like, again, you have to adapt to your reality. You know, like uh, 20 years ago, people were releasing software in CDs and in floppy disks, you know, that was the reality they were living in. Like as of today, you know, I don't know, in the games industry, you still like, uh, you still ship physical copies or things. So like saying, uh, you know, like that continuous deployment is the only way of essentially like doing soft like distribution and, and releases, right? I would say it's it's not what I want to say, but there are wrong ways of doing it, especially. So if you if you look at your context, there are wrong ways of doing it. And I would say that at Hopin, it was like, as we were growing so fast and the organization was growing so fast, tech, hiring people, structure and everything, we do uh, put releases, like we did create like the notion of releases. So we do, do, we do releases inside the engineering team. So yeah. we do at this point, we do weekly releases with uh, like, we can still release hot fixes, but, but we have like this uh, big weekly release. And we did that, like there were, there were those contexts that led to, to that decision, but that decision is hard to reverse. Okay. That decision is hard to reverse. Uh, let's just uh, face it. So going from, we stopped deploying like uh, every single like day or every yeah. other hour to a, a weekly release cycle and then coming back, it's hard. Long release cycles in such fast paced companies, they are like almost like clashing forces essentially because you want yeah. to move fast. Uh, you want people to build the right things. You want engineers to feel accountable for what, for their outputs. You want them to be accountable for their outcomes, the outcome of what yeah. they're putting out there. And the, all that feeling of accountability and ownership 
is hard to embed into people if you just like uh, you merge your pull request today and you see your code hitting production in two weeks or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was okay. something. That was something that I can tell everyone's like. I know that there's a place and a time for doing releases, but move move away from them as much as possible, which is what we are working now to essentially like again like getting back to uh you know like daily or like not daily like my objective as as an engineering manager is is multiple per hour essentially honestly speaking that's where i want to stop i worked at companies where it was at will it was like oh i i'm going to deploy i'm responsible for this as an engineer like i'm going to do it there are companies that only works until a certain scale as well i yeah. think that past a certain scale you you have to invest in tooling to automate that process a little bit, but yeah. it has to be fast. So that was from a technical standpoint, something that uh, you know, if I could go back in time, I would maybe would have said like, let's endure the pain, the pains that we are suffering and let's not just like fall into like the idea of creating a weekly release cycle uh, yeah. and let's right. fix, fix that, work on fixing this and keeping uh, like the baby moving. Yeah, exactly. For example, okay. well, that's just one. But there are many. There's definitely many. <laughs> yeah, that's a good learning. Uh, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a really useful takeaway. Uh, I'm going to include your LinkedIn page. So, if if there are people that that want to reach out and pester you and take up all of your time for more learnings, that they can do that. Uh, br briefly before we cut off. Where will we see Hopin in, in 12 months? You know, in, in confidence, what you can tell us, where, where will you see us? Obviously, we've spoken about this move to from virtual events company to events company. There's going to be a hybrid model. Johnny's always thought that. But where, where do you think you could be in, in 12 months? Or what's the message within the company? Yeah, it's obviously a good question and one that... Let's just be honest. If you'd asked me 12 months ago, I would make like, and I would be completely enabled to say that, you know, like, no, for, in one year, I'm pretty sure we're going to have like, I don't know, 500 million in funding and, uh, and 700 employees. It wouldn't even cross my mind, as you can imagine. Yeah. But there are things I can tell you based on facts, right? So, so it's public that Hopin acquired multiple companies. So I'd say that one thing is we are, we aim at being, uh, first of all, uh, uh, all-in-one solution for events, being them virtual, being them like in-person. So that's one thing. We are also aiming at being a, a multi-product company. Again, like okay. StreamYard is an amazing product. Really, like I, I uh, try it out. It's it's a really really cool product. Uh, really delights customers in the kind of broadcasting uh, uh, field. It's an amazing solution. We are investing in, in meetings as well with Jam. So we're also getting, going towards a multi-product company, right? Becoming a multi-product company. I don't think Hopin will just stay in the events business. It's going to be like events. It's going to continue to be, I would say, like one of our main focuses for sure. It's not going anywhere. We're still deeply investing in it, in, in it but we're going to diversify. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think we're going to continue remote only or i think that in this case we're going to forcefully move a little bit towards the remote first because uh 
pretty sure that again the companies that we recently acquired they they have their physical offices and uh, they have their own cultures and so we are super respectful of of the the cultures that these companies bring and their own identity but yeah that's that's how i think where we're gonna go like grow as a more mature uh engineering organization you know like uh always learning every day like be humble essentially this is also one thing that Johnny preaches uh, every single day, like all learning, all getting better every single day, and always keeping being like customer customer focused. And uh, that's I would okay. say probably that's where you're going to find this involvement. I hope so. Love that diversification, more product building, staying humble. Touching on the last point of being remote first, I always do this. We've got bundles and bundles of engineers that follow us several thousand there'll be people that know you there'll be people that don't know you they're obviously going to know a little bit more about you after this but for people listening um what what are you as a business looking for on the engineering front help us understand that if possible as succinct as possible because i'm sure we could go down several routes here yeah sure like i would say fairly simple one people who like love their craft who want to get better at the craft who want to make those around them better at their craft who okay. wants to create an impact in the world and who want to make part of like a kind of a, a rocket ship that's it that's probably a very small uh pitch and summary and what we are doing I love for it. when it comes that, to that was it's yeah, tech a... part <laughs> on the tech part just a high level yeah. overview sure yeah we uh hopping on the back end side of things is mostly a, a ruby house um we have uh, a bit of also uh, typescript and javascript running on node uh, and on the front end is mostly re uh, react um but now again like because of the companies that we acquired we are our tech stack grew with those acquisitions. So we do internally have people doing Clojure, we have people doing Python, we have people doing JavaScript. Uh, so so there was that like, I am a Ruby lover. I am known as a Ruby lover. Uh, I'm actually really happy as well that uh, we are bringing Clojure in because I really love uh, Lisps. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we're doing. I'll, again, I said there's also C++ in some areas of the stack, mostly connected with, uh, with the video uh, pipeline. That's pretty much it, what you're looking for. So if you just love writing software, any language, yes. yeah. remote first, yeah. come and talk to these guys and girls. What what a journey. I just want to say a massive thanks um, for everyone listening. Like, share, subscribe to the video. Come and show these guys and girls some love. And thank you. A big thank you, Xiao. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you for the opportunity. It was a true pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so we'll much. see everyone soon. Thank you. All the best. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted. 
in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.